Note your Bibles at Exodus 25, around about there. We'll be looking at odd verses here and there. A few comments I wanted to make before we go on to the, the, the subject of the labour, which we've got to as far as that in our talks on the tabernacle. Just put up the general view of the tabernacle again for us to have a look at. There was a verse that came to our mind during the week and it was in 1 Timothy 6.20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. And I have a commentary by John Gill who wrote it in 1760. It's amazing that this man, uh, his, his, the words that he wrote, it's called John Gill's Expositor. And uh, the editor to that particular uh, commentary made this remark, knowledge is not determined by a show of hands. I was thinking about that this morning when you were praying. <laughs> Even though the majority of people believe something, that does not make it true. The majority today do not believe in Noah's flood. And if you read Second Peter uh, 3 verses 4 to 6, you realize it was so in Noah's day also. But the unbelievers all drowned. Many fervently believe in evolution and try to compromise the scriptures with it. This verse stands as a stark warning to those who do not try everything through God's word. It's important that we realize that we have to weigh everything up against God's word. And I thought that was just interesting. When we come to a subject in scripture, and particularly to do with the tabernacle and to do with the the, the person of Christ, we have to sometimes get rid of all the briars. If we want to see a clear way, if we're making a way through a, a wood or a garden, it's necessary to get rid of all the briars and the undergrowth and the thistles and the thorns and get down to the bare earth to see the way forward. And I was thinking about that. And from now on in, as we, we have studied the sort of the surround of the tabernacle and the way in and the man going to the altar and having his lamb slain there and he is, re, the, the guilt of sin is removed from him. But from now on in, as we go, it's important that we learn some, one particular truth. It's important for us to know and to understand the tabernacle as the picture of Christ and his church and the work of the priests in it. The, the work of the priests within the tabernacle. And we can learn important lessons from it. The man who had brought the lamb in our talks had no right to proceed further than from the altar. And all acts of worship, you may have noticed as we spoke, were done on his behalf by the priests. This point points out clearly that our work of redemption is nothing of self. There's nothing that man could do of himself. He had to rely on the priest. There's nothing I can do for my salvation. 
We used to sing that chorus, didn't it? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Now, in the Church of Jesus Christ, there is no separate priestly order. This is important. This may come as a surprise to some people who are listening. In Exodus 28, we read the institution of the priestly order. The sons of Aaron were to be the priests. They were anointed for office. Aaron was the high priest. And he was the only one who actually went into the Holy of Holies. The very presence of God. When he went in on the great day of atonement, he went in and he first of all had to offer a sacrifice for his own sins. And then he had to offer a sacrifice for the congregation. Jesus Christ, and this, you know, is elementary, really, but it's important that we, we get this picture into our, our minds. I, I really believe this. Jesus Christ is our high priest, and he has entered into the most holy place, into the presence of God, the Father. The other priests that worked around the, the tabernacle acted as mediators between man and God and the people and their sacrifices and of course they had access to the high priest the common people then had to do everything through a priest they couldn't approach the high priest they couldn't approach God they had to go through a priest in Leviticus 6 and verses 6 and 7 it says and he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flock with thy estimation for a trespass offering unto the priest and the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord it was all the man had to go to the priest and it shall be forgiven him for anything of all that he hath done in trespassing therein and that's the way it was but now it's all changed and this is the exciting bit I think in 1 Peter 2 verse 5 Peter says ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Christ Jesus 1 Peter 2 verse 9 but ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood and holy nation a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. A wonderful thing happens when we become Christians, when we are being, have been brought out of darkness and we're into the kingdom of light, then God recognizes us as priests. We become priests. Revelation 1, 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. He says that when we have been washed from our sins, what happens? He's made us kings and priests. We become priests. Revelation 5, 9 and 10, and they sung a new song in heaven, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb in heaven, was worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. We have been redeemed out of the nations of the earth. And what has happened? Thou hast made us king unto our God, kings and priests. We are priests. That's the, that's the story. That's the picture. That is the truth. And then, in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, it says, Since we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted just as we are yet without sin. We have a high priest, and as the, the priest could go to the high priest who had access to God, the writer to the Hebrews says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace where we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because we are priests, we can come to our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, I read last night Hebrews chapter 9, and it's worth turning to it, although I'm going to read it from the modern King James Version. But it's a... It says it all so much better than we can say it. Uh, and it's so clear. And we're, we're talking about the, the tabernacle here. And it gives a description of the tabernacle. And there is a picture of the tabernacle, the inside layout of the tabernacle. And as we read this, we can see why, how it all fits in. And I read it out of this modern King James. Then truly the first tabernacle also had ordinances of divine service and earthly and an earthly sanctuary. This was the sanctuary. Out, the, the surrounds outside the altar of burnt offerings, the labor, labor and then the actual sanctuary. The first tabernacle was prepared in which was both the lampstand and the table and the setting out of the loaves. Here it was in here. The table there with the, the, the showbread on it and the candlestick. And after that, the second veil was a tabernacle which is called the Holy of Holies. Having a golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid all around with gold in which was the golden pot that had manna. It was kept an Aaron's rod that had budded and the tablets of the covenant, the, the Ten Commandments, the, they were all there. And over it were the cherubs of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. And even the writer here says, about which we cannot now speak piece by piece. We'll look at it all later on as well. Now these things were ordained in this way. The priests always went into the first tabernacle. They, they had access into the first tabernacle, the first section of where was the altar of incense, the golden town candlesticks, and the table of showbread. But once in the year, in the second, the high priest alone goes. He could go into the most holy place, the holy of holies. 
He went in there, but he couldn't go in there without blood. He had to go in with a sacrifice, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. It makes it so clear, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit signifying by this that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. Access for us into the presence of God wasn't possible. That's what it's saying. For it was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him who did the service perfect as regards the conscience which stood only in meats and drinks and different kinds of washings and fleshly ordinances, imposed on them until the time of reformation. But when Christ had become a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, nor by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once for all into the Holy of Holies having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if by the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean sanctifies the, to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished spot to God, purge your conscience, from dead works to serve the living God. For this cause he is the mediator, the person that goes between you and somebody else, between us and God of the new covenant, so that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, those who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. It's so clear when we look at the picture of the tabernacle, the earthly tabernacle, and see what Christ has done for you and for me by his own death. Timothy, it says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all. So, those of us who have been to the brazen altar, Speaking of the cross of Jesus Christ, we have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. We have become priests and we can go beyond that altar into the presence of our high priest and through him have access to God. We are told to come boldly with confidence into his presence. Now this, this truth is important. We do not come to God through an earthly priest. You know, other churches and other organizations and with the, with the risk of <laughs> saying things. The Roman Catholic Catechism says, and it's important because the whole point of where we differ from people is on this subject. It says, talking about priests, the priest acts in persona 
Christi Capitus in the person of Christ. It is the same priest, Jesus Christ, whose sacred person his minister truly represents. Now the minister, by reason of the sacerdotal consecration which he has received, is truly made like the high priest and possesses the authority to act in the power and place of the person of Christ himself. That's not right. The Pope is called the vicar of Christ, vicarious, substitute. And even the word vicar shouldn't be used. Nobody stands in in the place of Christ. It's very serious, really. You know, even the Anglican Catechism, it says, what is the ministry of absolution? The ministry of absolution is the ministry by which those who are truly sorry for their sins and have made free confession of them to God in the presence of the minister with intention to amend their lives receive through him the forgiveness of God. That's not right. We don't go through a minister, a priest, Have we, got, have we got that into our hearts and minds? Let us now proceed on to the next item which this little Israelite would have seen when he came into the, the tabernacle. He would have seen the labor. There it is. Nobody knows what the labor looked like. But let's read about it in Exodus chapter 30. And verse seventeen. <clears throat> the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass or bronze, and his foot also of brass to wash withal, and thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, as we saw in that little layout and thou shalt put water therein. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn offerings made by fire unto the Lord, they had to wash. So they shall wash their hands and their feet, and that they die not. And it shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his seed throughout their generations. An interesting thing came from my past secretary, just before we go on to the labor. Just the amount of water that must have been in this uh, it was probably immense, but this was something came in. I, I haven't checked up the figures on this, but I'll read it out to you what she said. 
Moses and the people were in the desert. And this is interesting. When we looked at the, the layout of all the tribes all around the, the tabernacle, and there were probably two or three million people, and all their animals, and all their children. Moses and the people were in the desert. But what was he going to do with them? They had to be fed. And feeding two or three million people requires a lot of food. According to the quartermaster general in the army, it is reported that Moses would have had to have 1,500 tons of food each day. Do you know that to bring that much food each day, two freight trains, each at least a mile long, would be required? Besides, you must remember they were out in the desert, so they would have to have firewoods to use in cooking the food. This would take 4,000 tons of wood and a few more freight trains, each a mile long, just for one day. And just think, they were 40 years in transit. And oh yes, they would have to have water. If they only had enough water to wash and drink a few dishes, it would take 11 million gallons a day. And a freight train with tank cars 1,800 miles long just to bring water. And it goes on like this. The amount of space they would need it to set up camp. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres. And then they had to cross the Red Sea. Now, if they went in a narrow path just too deep, the line would have been 1,800 miles long. 800 miles long and would require 35 days and nights to get over. So they had to get across very quickly. They walked 5,000 abreast, he reckons, to get through the Red Sea. But there you are. Do you think Moses figured it all out before he left Egypt? It says, I think not. You see, Moses believed God. God took care of these things for him. Now, do you think God has any problem taking care of your needs? It gets it. it, it I thought it was very interesting. And, you know, we have to think of God organized things for Moses and the children of Israel. And he'll do it for you. And he'll do it for me. But this labor, the, the labor in Solomon's temple hold, held thousands of gallons of water. But there's no size given for this particular labor. But we have a pic the picture of the labor for us Christians is very important. We have been to the cross where our sins have been forgiven and we have been cleansed in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God. You know, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing flow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood? We have been to Jesus. And our sins have been forgiven. We are cleansed. Colossians 1 verse 12 it says, Giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, 
in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We have been saved. We have been redeemed. Our sins have been cleansed. We have been to the altar. And we move on towards the labor. The altar spoke of the work of Christ in my life. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are sons of God. We have been made priests. Get that? That's the point. We are made priests. Now the laver, this laver speaks and we look at it in a minute, it speaks of my daily walk with God. I am a child of God. I may and do and am defiled by this world and by sin. This world is a filthy place. And as I walk through this world, I am defiled. My feet get dirty. My hands get dirty by the things I do. I need to be cleansed. How? By going back to the altar, by going back to the cross? No. By the washing of the word. John writing in 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 says, My little children, I write these to you, things to you that you sin not. But if anyone sins, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The priest went back again and again to the laver. As he did the work of God, he had to wash his hands and his feet again and again. We need to go back and be washed by the word of God again and again and again. The laver was filled with water. John 15 verse 3 says, now ye are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. When the soldier pierced, it's mentioned in prayer this morning, when the soldier pierced through the side of Christ, there flowed out blood and water. Blood to cleanse and water to wash us daily. You go to John chapter 13 we have the story there of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples and you know the story when they'd after supper after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments he asked them did he know what he had done to them and in verse 8 Peter, he came to Peter, he was going to wash Peter's feet. And he says, Thou, you'll never wash my feet. It's a nice thought that Peter had, obviously. Jesus wasn't just washing their feet. He was doing something. He was teaching them a spiritual lesson. And he said to Peter, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter, Lord, not my feet only, but every part of me, my head. And Jesus said, 
He that is washed need not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. Picture was the person had bathed, and as he had walked through the street to wherever he was going to the house of the guest, where he was to be a guest, the servant would wash the feet because through the world and walking through that dusty street, the feet were going to be dirty. They were going to be needed to be washed. We go through life. We are polluted by what we see around us, by, by the world. We have to live in this polluted world. Jesus says we need to be washed by the word daily. As we seek to do his will and to do work for him as the priests had to, to, when they went to work in the sanctuary and to carry out the work of God in the sanctuary, they had to be washed every time. They had to be washed. They didn't keep going back to the altar. They went to the labor to be washed by the word of God as it is for us today. And each one of us allowed Christ to wash us by his word it's essential if they didn't wash the priests did it. it was a matter of death life and death if we want to have that communion with God we must be washed Peter Jesus didn't say you have no part in me that wasn't a matter of Peter's relationship with God it was uh, he, uh, it was his communion he said you have no part with me not in me, with me and that's important we have been to the cross we have been saved, we are redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ we're in Christ but for our daily washing for that communion with him we need to be with him in everything we do we need to be washed the labor it's interesting there's no size given for the labor there's no size and that speaks to to us of the limitlessness of the grace of God available to you and to me we used to sing that chorus Jesus love is very wonderful Jesus love is very wonderful Jesus love is very wonderful oh wonderful love so high you can't get over it so low you can't get under it so wide you can't get around it oh wonderful love the interesting thing finally the interesting thing about it what was it made of what was the labor made of go to Exodus 38 and verse 8 and he made the labor of brass and the foot of it, it had a base, this base underneath here. Nobody knows what it really looked like. These are all sort of artist's impressions. But he said, and the foot of it, of brass, he made it of the looking glasses of the women, assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. The mirrors in those days weren't made of glass, they were made of polished brass. And these were given up by the women in order that the house of God could be glorified and that the work of God could go on. 
Mirrors, I suppose, speak of personal pride and adornment. The mirrors reflected the beauty of the women. But now they reflected the picture of the cleansing word of God. They were a precious commodity to the women. Women without a mirror is lost, are lost. But they were prepared to give those things up which were important to them, to their personal adornment. They were prepared to give them up for the work of God. What have we got that perhaps we are holding on to, which is seeking to reflect our glory, our lifestyle, our, our business? Our, well, we all know what we have ourselves. We need to yield all to Christ so that those things which perhaps we held most dearly may in turn reflect God's glory and be of use to those around us in, in his service. The labor to the Christian is, is a most important picture. May we each one seek daily that we will be washed by the word of God. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing blood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Yes, we've been to the cross. Our sins have been forgiven, but daily we need to go to the laver and wash our feet and our hands because we've become soiled as we go through the world.